This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. First and 10 at the Pittsburgh 33, needed four, got exactly that. Now they redeploy Collins to his right. Shotgun snap, he's back. Throws it long down the right sideline. There's a man trying to get to it. Touchdown. It is a touchdown. Running under it is Michael Crabtree, the 10th year. Nope, it is no. John, Brown, John Brown, who got behind two defenders, including Joe Hayden. Back with a snap. He waits. He throws it down the Pick. field. It's picked off. That's Anthony or Levine. Anthony Levine picks it off, and that dashes any hope for a comeback. You know, I'm just trying to win the games as we sit here today. Um, obviously, we got some things that we need to improve on, and we continually uh, working to do so. You know what? I just didn't make enough plays. Point blank, uh, I'll take ownership on that game. Uh, squarely on me. I apologize to the fans, my teammates. I uh, just wasn't good enough. Offset eye to the left. Everything in tight for Joe Flacco. He turns and gives it to Collins. Runs wide. And he's hit wide. And down he goes. Great play. The ball came out. Who has a pitch for What a hit on that play. we got to be honest about what we're doing. Um, and see where we're falling short because that's the only way this, this ship's going to right itself is if we, you know, buckle down and correct our mistakes. Blues coming running back at Sunquist as he gets cleaned out by Wilson. Sunquist stays down and a host of Blues are coming to talk to 43 and Red. And grab him right away. I have no idea. I'm at a loss for words, although doing two and a half hours of post-game show, you got to find him. And doing two hours to talk to you today, you got to find him. But I mean, figure I'm, I'm at a loss for words as to who are the Steelers? What are they? I don't think they know. And there's an identity crisis. An offense that was expected to be so prolific has done so only in spurts. They act like the start of the game has come in a major surprise, like it was just sprung on them. Like someone told them last night's game wasn't going to start till 9. No run game whatsoever. The defense, uh, it was interesting, the defense actually kept them in the game. And yet, having said that, at the same time, they're responsible for them losing it. We're going to dissect this. I've never been in an autopsy, but they tell me you get used to the smell. Um, can you get used to the smell? Because that, last night, stunk. Or is it stank? I don't know. Stunk. Hooba stank. That's the music group. Oh, boy. Uh, Offense, defense, special teams, 
coaching. Yes. Also today, we play that hit by Tom Wilson. What else is new? We'll see what he gets, if anything. But what are we talking about here? We're talking about an NHL that has allowed him, this assassin, to get by with slaps on the wrist, and so he just keeps doing it and escalates it. The Pirates finish three games over. That's about three games more than I thought they'd be. I actually thought they'd be six under. Michael McHenry will join us today at 120 for our final baseball segment with the Fort. But most of today is going to be about the Steelers. Here's how you get involved. 412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com. You can post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. Someone once said, and I believe it was Mark Twain, President Harry Truman is alleged, not alleged, he did say it too, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. But I don't think you can ignore these. Time of possession. And again, stats sometimes, they do lie. But when there's a series of them, they don't. Time of possession overall, Baltimore 35 minutes, Pittsburgh 25. Now, if you're scoring quick strike, that doesn't mean much. But when you only score one touchdown, it means a great deal. Compounding that felony, in the second half, Baltimore had the ball 22 minutes, the Steelers Eight, eight minutes. And let's remember, it's a tie game at halftime. Third down conversions. Steelers two for 12, Baltimore eight for 17. All those numbers combined are losing numbers. They add up to losing. Run game, and that's a misnomer if ever there was one. 11 rushes from scrimmage. One was by Ben, so it's a scramble. James Conner, nine attempts, 19 yards. Now, I realize they got behind, but they weren't behind coming out in the third quarter. Here's something that I think really sticks out. Two for 12. You know, and part of that is you don't have a running game, so your third downs are third and seven, third and eight. Baltimore, on the other hand, they convert eight out of 17 because their third down situations are more makeable. And if there was, and I don't point a finger, as Baltimore being disrespectful, but I'm, I don't know about you, but in the fourth quarter, which is still a ball game, I was really surprised when John Harbaugh went for it fourth and two outside the Steeler 40. I thought he'd punt. 
Team was playing good defense. Do you think John Harbaugh would have tried that 10 years ago against that Steeler defense? I don't think so. Here's a stat that really stands out. And again, I hate to crucify the defense because they did keep them in it. They did keep them in it. The offense just couldn't pick them up. The Baltimore Ravens ran the ball 30 times. Of those 30 rushing attempts, the Steelers had one tackle for a loss. One. They had three tackles for losses overall. Two of those were sacks, one by Dupree, one by Hargrave. But on running plays, they had one tackle for a loss. What does that tell you? It tells you that your defensive linemen and linebackers are getting their ass kicked. They're getting pushed off the line of scrimmage. No penetration. The one thing that will destroy a running play faster than anything is penetration. One tackle for loss. Positive yardage every time they ran the ball. And as a caller to the postgame show pointed out, and the more I thought about it, the more I agreed. How many times did you see a Baltimore runner or receiver or receiver carrying the ball and getting an extra two, three yards when he was hit? All the time. All the time. I was struck by something that Eric Weddle, the safety, said after the game. And he was addressing mostly Baltimore media, but there were some Pittsburgh media present. And he said, I told you all that this wasn't the same old Baltimore Ravens that hadn't made the playoffs for three years. We're different now. He then went on to say that their defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, not the game show host, put together a great game plan for the Steelers, and he said he was one step ahead of the Steelers all game long. He devised the defensive scheme where he knew exactly what the Steelers were going to do, how they were going to do it, and when they were going to do it. That's Eric Weddle talking. I have no way of knowing because I'm not privy to the game plans or either team. That's Eric Weddle talking. And indeed, the Steelers had a grand total of one touchdown. And the game was in the balance. It was similar but different to the Kansas City game in that they fall behind 21-0. They fight back to tie, right? They have all the momentum at the half, and yet Kansas City comes out, first series in the third quarter, 
Bing, 39-yarder Tyree Kill, and before you can blink, it was 28-21. Same thing happened on the opposite side of the ball yesterday. They fight back to tie. They had to be feeling good about themselves, being down 14-0. Give them credit. They fought back to tie. They get the second half kickoff. Nada. Put this in your pipe and choke it or on it. The Steelers' offense did not cross midfield once in the entire second half. Not once. And the game was in the balance. I believe the Steelers come out in that opening drive and score. I'm not guaranteed they're going to win the ball game, but it certainly puts a different dynamic in play, forcing Baltimore not to play from behind. And the Steelers' defense did keep Baltimore and stymie them and gave the ball back to the offense, which did nothing. We're going to talk about the offense and the defense. Again, it was a mixed bag for the defense. I mean, I do think you have to give them credit. The first touchdown was it was like Kansas City or Jacksonville. Bing, bang, boom. Before most of the fans had a chance to drink a whole six-pack, it's 7-0. Then McDonald fumbles. That sets up touchdown number two. Although, last I checked, there's no new rule in the NFL. It says you're not allowed to make a stop after a turnover. You're allowed or at least hold them to a field goal. They did not. 31 yards and four plays, hot knife through butter. But there are some coaching things. What Eric Waddle said. Number two. When they inserted, they meaning Baltimore, inserted Lamar Jackson into the lineup, The Steelers were milling around the line of scrimmage like they'd never heard the name Lamar Jackson before. They were like the cavemen coming out and seeing a big burning ball in the sky for the first time. What is this? Newsflash, they drafted Lamar Jackson last year, and they have incorporated him into packages where they use them on short yardage. And yet the Steelers, what? Who's this number eight guy? What what are we going to do? Well, we're going to call timeout because they acted like they'd never seen the guy before or hadn't been coached. What the hell were they doing all week? Not that Lamar Jackson's president won or lost the game, but you had to call timeout because you were surprised? That Lamar Jackson came into the game? What were you doing all week over there? And not being ready to play. Chuck Knoll once said, if I have to motivate you, I don't want you on my team. Okay, But I do have to put a lot of blame on the coaches for, again, not having the team ready to play from the start. 
But you know what? I'm going to play into a narrative that I have been continuing all season long, going back to portions of last year. I put a significant amount of blame on the players, too. If I have to motivate you, I don't want you on my team. So here you are, right? You give away the game at Cleveland. You come out, Kansas City, big game, 21-0. Last week, you gained some traction. You gained some equilibrium by beating Tampa, which we now know is wildly overrated. But okay, so you you get your win, you're 1-1-1, okay, things have stabilized somewhat. You're playing your arch rival, the team you hate the most, you're playing them on the marquee game of the week, Sunday night football, biggest game of the week, and you're down 14-0, you're clearly not ready to play. Shame on coaching, shame on the (laughs) veteran leadership. Put that in quotes. You're not ready to play? We're going to talk about offense and defense, the running game. Is it possible that they miss Le'Veon Bell more in the pass game than they do the run game? And we talk about pedigree and, well, they didn't they didn't spend enough uh, draft choices on defensive players. Eight of the 11 starters last night on defense were either number ones or number twos. That tells me they didn't draft the right people. I draft the right guests because Tunch Oaken will join me next. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. We weren't able to find uh, enough traction tonight. Um, We didn't run it a lot, and I'd imagine the more we run it, the more traction we'll find. Uh, But again, as the game unfolded, they were controlling it by possession and winning possession downs, and we weren't. So it tends to look like that um, when, when the game is being controlled in that way. All right, Tunch is busy watching tape, so he'll be on with us in about uh, 15 uh, or 17 minutes or so. Uh, the run game is non-existent. And I understand that when you fall behind – like they have fallen behind in all but one game this year, and by substantial margins, although the Tampa Bay game, they only fell behind 7-0 and came back to, well, they didn't tie because Boswell missed the extra point. They kicked the field goal and uh, didn't trail again. Um, It takes some of your running game away. But I also think even when you're down 6-0, excuse me, (coughs) 14-0, it's only six minutes into the first quarter. And I don't think that means that you have to abandon your running game then. Connor got nine carries. And I'm not going to get into play calling, but I do think it's a matter of scheming. And everybody knows the elephant in the room is not in the room. 
But the run game against Cleveland was good, the fumble aside. But it just doesn't give the offense the balance that you need. They've really become one-dimensional. You're passing over 80% of your offensive snaps. And I understand it's a passing league. But you got to give somebody something else to fear, something else to be concerned about. And Ben is there to take the pressure. He's the quarterback. It's true of all quarterbacks. But what it's come down to is this. Just talking about the offense. Very few teams can survive a bad game by their quarterback, and Ben was bad last night. He was. I'm thinking about two key possessions. There were more than two. But again, I talked about the game hanging in the balance at the half. You get the ball, you got a chance to make a statement and build on the momentum that you yourself created, digging yourself out of a hole. Nothing. I'm thinking about in particular, and I discussed this at length with Charlie Batch last night on the postgame show, in the third quarter, the defense is getting the ball back to you surprisingly. They're getting the ball back. It's still 14-14. Third and four. Wide open. A.B. on the sideline. Ben missed him. And I look back at Ben and he pounded his fist into the dirt. He was upset with himself. Later on, following series, defense stops Baltimore. He get the ball back. It was third and long. Third and 12. But he had A.B. wide open over the middle and missed him. All right, look, quarterback's going to have bad days, even him. I know we've had a lot of people on Twitter, on Facebook, and email. Ben has declining skills. Well, I don't know. His skills weren't declining against Kansas City in at least the first half against Tampa. I'm not willing to go there. But I think what we're talking about here is Not many teams can survive a bad game by their quarterback, but this team especially because it doesn't have a defense that it can rely upon and it doesn't have enough balance in the offense to take some of the pressure off the quarterback. And one of the listeners to the Post-game call-in show last night had a very, very good point. Excellent point. I want to try to find his tweet. It's from last night. It had to be 1.30 in the morning, so I don't exactly know. Uh, It's Jeffrey. Here we go. Jeffrey tweeted me last night. He said, "Um, missing Bell isn't just hurting the running game, But he's such a great receiver out of the backfield and such a threat, it's clearly hurting the passing game. It's absolutely right. Good call, Jeffrey. It's absolutely right. Now, this is not a slam at James Conner. I mean, I think Conner's fine. But he's not Le'Veon Bell, and it's unfair to 
expecting to be. And this is not a matter of reopening the can of worms that is Le'Veon Bell. Some people say, I should have paid him whatever he wanted. No, you don't pay him whatever he wants. I'm anxious to see when he becomes a free agent, whenever that is, if he'll actually get more than the Steelers are alleged to have offered him. We'll see. That's a different story for another day. But we're trying to analyze what's wrong with this team. I still believe that they need a third weapon. Vance McDonald may be, uh, come, may be becoming that. I still think they need more from James Washington. And this issue about, well, they're double-teaming A.B. You tell me. When have they not double-teamed A.B.? Do you ever remember a time in the last five, four or five years when he hasn't been doubled? And when he has gotten open, Ben's missed him. Or, or, he's run the wrong route. I don't have the answer for that. Him being doubled is is nothing new. And oh, by the way, last night, on many occasions, and this is the advantage of being at the game, sitting up high, Marlon Humphrey was shadowing A.B., whichever side A.B. went to, Marlon Humphrey, number one draft choice out of Alabama, would follow him to either side. And a lot of times it was single coverage. He did a good job. But as I mentioned, there were other times when A.B. was open and Ben missed him. I also think we're talking about the running game. Let's not let the offensive line off the hook. I know that Le'Veon Bell accumulated a lot of yards last year. No disputing that. It's a fact. But I also think it's worth mentioning that his yards per carry was down a full yard from 2016. 3.9. I mean, he had well over 1,000 yards and didn't play the last game of the year. But that's because of the volume of carries he got. I don't think you can ignore the offensive line. I think they've done a great job of pass protecting. And again, with the caveat that James Conner's not Le'Veon Bell, I don't see a lot of holes. And again, this is not a criticism of Conner. He's a different style of runner. But unlike Bell, Conner needs holes to get through. All running backs do. But Bell had this unique ability to set up blockers because of his style of running. I don't think the offensive line, in terms of their run blocking, gets off the hook. Now, I realize that the right side of the line was out for the Tampa game, came back, but rustiness shouldn't have been an issue. I mean, DeCastro missed two games. They didn't play together. Offensive line relies on cohesion. But still... I thought Alejandro Villanueva had a very poor game. Both run blocking and in pass protection. 
Maybe they'll grade the film, and I'll be wrong. But from what I saw, from where I sat, big problems. And I do think that Jeffrey's right. I do think that not having Bell, and this is not pining for him, and calling him up and saying, come on in, we'll give you whatever you want. He does stretch the field. Even if he doesn't touch the ball. He's a threat. He makes a difference. Kevin says, you're right, this team has no identity. Too many scoreless quarters. Defense can get off the field and a punter who should never have made the team. But if you have to identify, uh, if you have no identity, you have poor coaching. And right now, our coaching is dreadful. No denying it. Shocked to see Lamar Jackson? (laughs) Who doesn't know what's going to happen when he comes on the field, like when Cordell Stewart was there? And Jordan Berry, I've been telling you about him for two years. Three times they had long fields where a good punt can help your defense, flip the field, (coughs) change everything, 33 yards, 40 yards. And while Sam Cook is, a, I think he's made the Pro Bowl eight years in a row now, something like that, he didn't have huge numbers. But they don't measure hang time. He kicked some punts last night. The ball came down with snow on it. They were so high. That's what I'm talking about. Now, as someone said to me this morning, if your only problem is your punter, you're not in bad shape. Well, the Steelers have more than meant one problem just with the punter. Agreed. But he's a problem nonetheless. And he's been on a short leash. And while they have more important things to address, don't be surprised if there's a new punter Sunday afternoon against Atlanta. This guy just ain't cutting it. Not the biggest problem but a problem nonetheless. All right, Tunch is going to join us. Want to do trivia now? Let's do trivia now. Joe Flacco has been the Ravens' starting quarterback, barring injury, since 2008. Here's your trivia question. First correct caller wins the $25 gift certificate to the Carlton Restaurant. Who was the last Ravens quarterback before Flacco to start a playoff game for the Baltimore Ravens? Before Joe Flacco... Who was the last Ravens quarterback to start a playoff game for the Ravens? 412-922-2874, pound 970. We'll get Tunch Ilkin's thoughts next. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers two for seven on third downs, a third and four at their 47. Ben stays empty. Wide side to his left with a bunch tight to the formation on that side. He gets the snap. He fires quickly and overthrows Antonio Brown running an out pattern near the 45 of Baltimore. And it just was one of those bars of soap that you every once in a while see even great quarterbacks throw. You know, I don't think I'm on the same page as anybody right now because I'm not playing well enough. Uh, I need to play better. Today was just a bad day at the office. We've all had them. Uh, I had one today, and uh, I promise I'll be back to play better. 
Yeah, that play, third and four, A.B. wide open on the sideline. Uh, not on the same page, uh, either in terms of the routes or just getting the ball to him. We're joined now by Tunch Oaken. Uh Tunch, I-, I don't know what identity means when it comes to a football team, but I have a strong feeling that you have to have one. And I, I just don't get a sense, Tunch, of, of, of what the identity of this team is. I, I don't know who they are. You know what, uh, Stan, I, I, you know, as I was driving home, I heard you say that last, uh, last night on the post-game show. I was listening to you and Charlie. And I was thinking about that. And, uh, and I think you're right. I mean, you know, usually are you a wide-open team? Are you a physical team? Are you a, a, a running team? And right now, the the Steelers are are still kind of finding their way, and and it's you know one of the things that we we knew was that the defense was going to be a work in progress early in the season, but uh, not in our wildest dreams did any of us think that the offense would be a work in progress, and that's what it is. Uh, uh, there's there's very little continuity. Uh, there's very little chemistry. Uh, it, it's uh, you know there's. And, and it spurts, you know, you, you you see them come back against Kansas City and you go, wow, and then all of a sudden they, they get flat. You, you saw uh, the first half in Tampa Bay and you go, wow, and then you saw the second half. And uh, and uh, the first uh, the half in, uh, against Baltimore and, and they received the ball to start the third quarter. And I thought, okay, this is where they take control of the game. And then it was three and out, the uh, Four and out, uh, four and out, six and out, four and out, and then four and out in game. You know, it it, it was just uh, not what I had expected at all. Uh, but I think you know one of the things that is the issue is they're just not running the ball well. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're not opening up holes, and part of it is to stand. I mean, they're going out of a lot of shotgun, and when you're in a two point stance, it is hard. Uh, to uh, come off the ball and drive the defensive lineman off the off the field, off the ball rather, and uh, I, I think that's kind of you know the the running game has changed so much uh, in the last twenty years, uh, and part of it is because they're all in two point stance all the time, and you just can't come off the ball, and uh, you know, and, and one of the things that um, uh, you want to do is that's why there's so many outside zone running because you, when when you run the outside zone blocking scheme, uh, you take a bucket step and then you go at an angle to the sidelines and and that allows you to gain some steam uh, before you get to the player that you're going to block. And so uh, I, I just you know watching I didn't uh, I, I watched the first quarter and a half uh, this morning. Obviously, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole game because. Uh, uh, the late night, and uh, uh, but uh, one of the things is they, they're just there wasn't a lot of room to run, and you know you always say that the run, and it, it is a different NFL now. You know the the pass that's up the run, but the run you still have to be able to run the football, and the Steelers have not done that. Uh, there are so many reasons for it. I, I would imagine uh, we can conjure up the reasons and. Uh, being behind all the time is one of them. Um, you know, you've pointed out that you know they're in a two-point stance. It also seems to me that in the last, well, really going to the Kansas City game when they fell behind, they were playing a lot of four wides with a tight end 
and empty set, and yeah. there's no one there to run. Um, right. Or uh, is it a byproduct of the offensive line? Um, maybe not doing the blocking differently for a guy like Connor as opposed to what they would do for a guy like Bell. Well, number one, uh, Stan, they block the same way. But uh, one of the things is Le- Le'Veon's running style lends itself better to today's uh, run-blocking schemes because of Le'Veon's patience. Uh, he allows the offensive line to get their second surge. You know, a lot of times they come off the ball, there's a stalemate, and then there becomes a second surge. And what what happens with Le'Veon is uh, as the defensive line uh, engages the offensive line, they now are trying to look to get rid of the offensive lineman, but they don't want to do it too quickly because Le- Le'Veon has, does a great job of cutting off blocks, and in his patience, uh, you start peaking and you get your center of gravity as a defensive lineman is playing higher, and so now the offense gets traction. You know, it's just kind of like uh, like if you're uh, in four wheel drive and you and, and you're slipping on ice, but all of a sudden you get traction and boom, then you come off. Uh, because of the way James Conner runs, he's so quick to the hole that if you don't take your guy off the line of scrimmage uh, and he disengages, he's he's got a better shot at making a play, and so that that's the the difference between the two running styles. And to be quite honest with you, I've never seen anybody that runs like Le'Veon Bell. That's so unique uh, and, and, uh, and so different. But that doesn't mean you, you shouldn't be able to come off the ball and, uh, and, and take the guy off the line of scrimmage. The other thing to stand is I don't think they've, they've been very patient with the run. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and part of it is because you've got Ben, uh, and you know Ben's up there. Okay, we can't run the ball. Let's throw the ball. And I, you know, I, I understand that, but uh, you know, I think you got to be a little more patient with the run. And uh, even though you may not be running, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of empty set. You know, because empty set, the, the uh, you know, the blitzes come. And there's no running back to pick up the linebacker, uh, you know. But you've got that, and he's and he's good about picking up the hot read. Um, but I still, I'd like a guy in the backfield just either to to slip out into the flat or into the checkdown area. Uh, but you know, don't take him off the field. That leads me to my next question. Um, gentleman named Jeffrey tweeted me last night during the post game show. And he said, you know, we talk about the lack of a running game, nine carries, 19 yards. Uh, but is it possible that they actually miss Bell even more in the passing game than they do in the running game because of the threat that he possesses? Well, you know, the, the, probably, uh, Stan. I mean, uh, he does bring another uh, facet to the passing game, but I'm not sure it's it's the lack of uh, Le'Veon. I just think it's the lack of continuity. Uh, it's, you know, it's just, they're, they're, and I don't think that it's going to stay this way. I, I believe they're going to dig themselves out, dig themselves out of this hole. Um, but, yeah, when you have Lev there, you, you do. you got another legitimate weapon. But I also think that I'm going with Ace, 
you know, two tight ends and two wide receivers and a running back, because now you've got Jesse James and Vance McDonald on the field. Both those guys are tremendous in the passing game. Uh, you know, if I'm going with three wide receivers, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fan of James Washington. He's getting better. You know, AB is going to get better. But there's, you know, there's, there are your other options. And coming out of the backfield, James Conner, uh, you know, is still very, um, uh, is still very, is a good player. And so uh, I just think that there, you, you still have enough weapons. I mean, yeah, do you miss Lev? Absolutely. But it's not like, oh, gosh, we can't do this because we don't have Lev. That's not true at all. And, uh, and we've seen that uh, in spurts. Just have to see it consistently. Last thing, Tunch, I got about a minute left here. So many stats bothered me. Uh, time of possession, 22 to 8 in the second half. Steelers never crossed Ms. Field, not even once. Third down conversions, both pro uh, and, and, and Baltimore, and, and negative for the Steelers. But the Ravens ran the ball 30 times. The Steelers had one tackle for loss. One. Yeah. That tells me that you're getting your rear end pushed around pretty good. Yeah, I mean the uh, you know one of the things, the interesting things that they did uh, last night, man, is they ran a lot of two and three tight end sets. Uh, they have four tight ends on their roster, and uh, uh, you had Max Williams sometimes line up as the uh, as the uh, uh, fullback or the H back. You had Nick Boyle often as the H back, and then. Uh, you had uh, Andrews, the, the rookie, lining up uh, as an inline tight end. And then they brought in uh, uh, Pat Ricard, the uh, defensive lineman fullback, who's 6'3", 311 pounds. And they just pounded it. You know, they, they pounded it. They, their, their tight ends do a good job of coming off the ball. They're very physical. And they have a giant fullback who doubles as a defensive lineman. And... and you know, so that that's what they did. They just said we're going to pound the ball. And and remember, uh, you know, Harbaugh is a pound the ball guy. Uh, you know, two years ago when Marty Morningwig was uh, uh, hired as the offensive coordinator, they were throwing the ball all over the place, and he didn't like it. So he, you know, he made Greg Nor or Greg, uh, Greg Roman, not Greg Norman, Greg Roman, who was the offensive coordinator with the 49ers with with his brother Jim. He became the running game coordinator because they said, look, we want to be uh, establish ourselves as a power running team. Now, power running team is kind of a misnomer in today's NFL because everybody's running the, uh, the zone place. But they do that. They run the counter trap. They run the inside zone. They run the outside zone. And that's what they did yesterday. And, and they had, you know, their big guys outweighed our, you know, outmuscled our big guys. All right, Tunch. Um, I don't know what their identity is. They got six days to find one before the Atlanta Falcons give them one. Uh, I appreciate the time, Tunch. Uh, get some rest. I'm going to attempt to do the same at some point, and uh, we'll be listening to Tunch and Wolf tomorrow morning at 10. All right. Thanks, Dan. Okay, Tunch. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tunch and Will, uh, Wolf, uh, every weekday morning from 10 until noon. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh.